0: and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make a melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not. wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right. Well, good morning, family. How y'all doing? Good. I know y'all can do better than that. We're here today. Good morning, family. How we doing? Good. That's that's right. That's right. Well, as he said, my name is Matt. Uh, I am a member and current elder candidate at Church of the Redeemer uh, in South St. Louis. It's my honor and privilege to to bring the word of God to you this morning. Uh, I'm always humbled by God's word. Because when we look at it, we're not just looking at words on a page, but we're looking at the creator of the universe speaking to us. Amen? And so I want to come to this humbly but excited at the same time. So a couple things you should know about me right off the top, okay? One, I love Jesus a lot. Uh, And then two, I love my lovely wife of two years, Amanda, who was about to jump in and read scripture. Thank you, sister, for reading. I appreciate that. But she loves the word of God Probably more than I do, honestly, but that's, that's, it's a tie. We're, we're like this right now. So uh, if you ever want to hear me talk about anything for more than five minutes, ask me about Jesus and my wife, and then I'm going on a tangent, okay? So, uh, but as you heard, today we're going to be in Psalm 27. This is uh, f- probably my favorite psalm uh, in all of the book. And so if you haven't turned there, go ahead and turn there today. And as you're doing that, I want to ask you this question. Where do you find your confidence? Who or what do you put your confidence in? What gives you assurance in your life today? When life isn't what you hope it to be, when you feel like quitting or caving in, where do you go to for courage to press on? I believe these questions are answered and they're important questions because we all go through seasons of life where our confidence is fading away. We will feel like we're going to quit. We find ourselves surrounded by stressful situations, hopeless mazes of choices we have to make, grief, loss, confusion, and complete lack of control of what's going on in our lives. So we ask these questions. We ask, what's the point? How am I supposed to continue on? Where can I be confident in? I believe our text answers these questions Today, here we're going to see where the Christian finds their confidence. And their confidence is not found in a situation, but it's found in a relationship. It's found in our relationship with God. We're going to see that we can have confidence even when we're staring at the worst possible situation in the Lord. Christians gain and maintain their confidence in the presence of God. Christians gain and maintain their confidence in the presence of God. Or if I can put it a little different way, confidence is found in God's presence. So I'm going to pray, I'm going to walk through this together. Amen? Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Though, though, though the air is cold, the sun is still shining. I'm not talking S-U-N alone, but I'm talking S-O-N. Jesus Christ, you have shone down upon your people with favor And we pray right now that the words that we are going to read and study and hear today will be edifying to all of us, Lord. So if I am a hindrance in any kind of way, Lord, remove this vessel. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be put in you first, Lord, my strength, my redeemer. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Y'all ready? Let's go. All right. Now, before we dive into the particular text you got to know something else about me. I am a man that loves context and background. I'd love to know what's going on behind the scenes. And so before we look at this particular Psalms, we have to recognize a couple of things. First, we have to recognize we are in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is a collection of poems and songs. The majority of them are written by King David, who we all know if we've been in church for more than five minutes. And he also wrote the song that we're looking at today. Now, the book of Psalms is more than just a collection of nice songs and poems and poetic works. The Psalms actually deal with the full range of human emotion. That's why if you read through the Psalms, you're going to see things like anger and joy, fear, sorrow, anxiety. If you can feel it as a human being, you can read about it in the book of Psalms. But what makes the books of Psalms so different is that with each and every emotion expressed, it is expressed to God. It's expressed to the Lord. The Psalms show us that we're to take our emotions, how we're feeling, good or bad, to God himself. And we see that God hears both positive and negative emotions when we carry them to him. He takes them and cares for us in them. So what does it have to do with our text today? Well, first we have to see that the picture David paints for us with his words. He paints a picture of a rather hopeless-looking situation. He says he's under attack from all sides. He has people trying to lie on him, to discredit him. And on top of that, he feels alone and isolated. This isn't just something David made up. This isn't a cool story he's thinking of as he's writing. No, this was his life. Much of David's life before and after becoming king of Israel was marked by war. He was consistently fighting battles. And sometimes in his life, he was a man on the run, hunted down by his enemies, both inside and outside his circle of friends and family. So while we don't know the specific situation inspired, that inspired David to write this particular psalm, we know that he is writing from experience nonetheless. David faced a situation that was, by human understanding, insurmountable, and yet, and yet he had confidence How do we know he has confidence? Well, look at the first verse. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David starts off with a staggering amount of confidence. Do you know how we know he's confident? He says the rhetorical phrase, of whom shall I be afraid? Who can take me out? He says it twice. That means he's really getting at the point that no one will shake him. There's nobody, no amount of people that will be able to put David in a corner and have him cowering in fear. At this moment, David is bold in his confidence. Now, this confidence isn't a a self-driven confidence. It's not him talking to himself saying, you got this, champ. No, his confidence, if you look at the verse again, is established in who God is. In God Himself, Look at how he describes God. He says he is the light, salvation, and stronghold. He says the Lord is his light. Light in the scriptures represents what is true and what is right and what is righteous. It's the good. And a lot of times when you read the scriptures, you see light compared to darkness. And darkness represents evil and, and sin and brokenness. And we see here David says that he is his light. Now, understand when it comes to light and dark, light always wins. Light always wins. We really don't grasp this idea of light versus darkness a lot of times in our day and age because we're perpetually in light. Like, even in the middle of the night, you open your eyes up, you still see the light from your neighbor's window or your phone or your clock or whatnot. It's hard for us to grasp this idea of complete darkness. I I got a glimpse of this, though, when I was a little bit younger. I worked for a, a camp, I was a camp counselor for these, for these kids, and one of our field trips was to go to a, a cave crawl. I did not choose that. That was not my choice. I did not wake up and say, hey kids, let's go crawl into a dark space. That's not something I would choose on my own. It was already set for us. But, but what happened was we, we, we got to this cave and we crawled in. We literally had to crawl into this cave and we had our flashlights on so we could see where we were going. But then once we were all inside this cave, our guide said go ahead and turn your lights out and everyone turned their flashlights off and guys when i tell you it was dark it was dark like scary dark i could hold my hand to my face this close right just check it out that close i could not see my hand at all that was a very unnerving situation for me but you know what happened next the guide then says go ahead and turn your flashbacks with flashlights back on Guys, as soon as that light comes on, darkness is gone. Wherever light fell, darkness lost. That is what David is getting at here. He finds himself in a dark situation. And so when he describes God as his light, he's saying that God is the one who is true and what is right. God is the one who will free him from the evil and the darkness surrounding him. God is the reason he has so much confidence they won't prevail over David because God is light. God is the victorious one. He also describes God as his salvation. He says this along with calling him light. He says it right after that. David is emphasizing that God isn't just about destroying evil, but he's also about delivering from evil. He delivers from evil. See, God not only exposes evil, but he saves from it. Then he also calls God his stronghold of his life. He knows that God not only destroys evil, not only does he save from evil, but God also protects from evil. When enemies attack David, he says he's not only going to look to God, not only going to look to God to save him, but also to protect him from. them. I rest assured, church, we can spend all day on that verse alone, but we ain't got the time, so we got to keep moving. But, for, but I, want to, I want us to grasp this one idea. David's foundation of his confidence is in who? God is God knows who God is because David knows who God is because he has a relationship with him that's why he uses the adjective my my light my salvation my stronghold he doesn't see God as a distant entity but a present and active God Well, how does David really know God's character how do we how can he trust who God is well, David can be confident in who God is because he's already experienced who God is before. He remembers what God has done for him in the past. Verses 2 and 3 says, when evildoers assail me to eat, my fle- eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Verse 2 here is probably better translated in the past tense. The Christian Standard Bible says it this way. When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. The moment David is recalling here is a dangerous situation in which he was facing enemies. He describes his enemies as these ravenous animals seeking to devour his flesh. It was a scary situation. They came at him with animalistic ferocity. But God, being light and salvation and stronghold, delivered David from his enemies. In fact, God not only delivered David, but he made his enemies look foolish in the process. That's what he means when he said they stumbled and fell. See, David remembers this deliverance and uses it as fuel for his current situation. He says that though he has an army around him right now about to attack, he won't be afraid, he will remain confident. Because he's experienced God's deliverance before, he knew God can and would do it again. Church, we must remember what God has done for us. Remembering what God has done for us reminds us of who God is, because God doesn't change. He's forever all-powerful and all-loving. He's the same God that gives us breath Every day, He is the same God who protected us as we drove here this morning on sometimes precarious roads. He is the same God who, if you have confessed and professed Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, saved us from our sins and gave us new life. We can face what seems to be insurmountable odds. We can feel broken and tired, but yet we can still be confident. And we don't have to wonder if we're going to receive relief. We know God can and will deliver us because he has done this before. So it's good to have that kind of confidence. But how do we maintain that kind of confidence? How does David hold on to this kind of confidence? Look at verse 4. He says this, one thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Church, I will put before you today that this entire chapter hinges on this one verse. Your life in the middle of hardships and trials hinges on this one verse. This verse became so important to me I've got it tattooed on my arm because I never want to forget it. What do we have going on here? David shows us for us to maintain strong confidence in our God, we need to be in his presence. The presence of God is what David desired. He longed for it. It it wasn't a waning desire. it It wasn't here one day and gone the next. No, he says he seeks it daily. He seeks God's presence daily. He wants to be in his presence all the days of his life. All day, every day, if I could put it in common vernacular. It is his number one pursuit. And we must remember uh, he's saying this surrounded by enemies. About to be destroyed. His number one priority is God's presence. Church, you know what David does here, though? He said he will ask the Lord. David, in the middle of all that was going on, was a praying man. He wanted the presence of God, so he went to God. David's confidence didn't lead him to pray less, to be both prideful in himself. It led him to pray more, to desire God more, to be on his knees before the Lord, because that's where he finds his confidence. So, what does he pray for specifically? He He prays to dwell, seek, and inquire of the Lord. What does he mean when he says that he wants to dwell, see, and inquire? What does he mean to be in the presence of God? I think he expresses three aspects of what it means to be in the presence of God. First, worship. Worship. He he first says that he wants to be in the house of the Lord. The word house here is probably referring to to the tabernacle since at this time the, the temple had not yet been built or completed. But the tabernacle was where God dwelt in the middle of the people of Israel, specifically as they were traveling to the promised land. It was also a place for the people to come and worship God. And David shows us to be in the presence of God means to worship God. Not only does he want to worship, but he says he wants to know God. David wants to look upon and you know, to gaze upon him intentionally, and when we see the word look, we think about just kind of glancing at something, right? I'll check the mirror, make sure I'm good. No, this looking's a little bit more intentional. He wants to know God personally. One, one of our first dates, me and Amanda's first dates, was to the art museum. I love art, just so y'all know, okay? I do love art. Not so much postmodern art. It's kind of like that weird, like you can, no, tell me what it means. I don't, I don't want to interpret it. You tell me what it means. But we went to the art museum in one of the first states, and we went at the time where they had this painting called Water Lilies. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a very famous painting. And she told me she really loves this painting. And I'm like, cool, she really loves the painting. That's fine. And so we go, we go see this painting, and we're, st- we're looking at it. And we're staring at it, and we stare for like a good five minutes. And I start to walk away, and the, but she's not moving with me. She's still looking intentionally at this painting. She's staring at it. She's she's trying to understand every every stroke, every dot, every corner. She wants to know that painting. That's what David is describing when he says he wants to know God. He wants to know him in and out to have a, a full grasp of his character and who he is. That's what it means to know God. He also says he wants to inquire of God. See, well, along with knowing who God is even more, David says that he wants to know what God says. To go along with knowing who God is is to know what he, has, what he says to do. He desires to live for God and in his will. He wants to know what, how God says he should live his life David is teaching us that in order for us to have confidence in God, we must live our life, devote our lives to being in the presence of God. We aren't undone when hard circumstances come up because of our relationship with God means we are living according to the way he's called us to. That We're in his will and we're in his presence because he's the all-powerful, mighty Savior. So why is it that we struggle to even desire God first? Why is it when we go through hardships and attacks, God isn't the first thought on our mind? Why don't we look to him and have confidence in him when everything seems to be falling apart? I think simply put, our struggles become our gods. They define who we are. You ever know someone who every time you talk to them and ask them how they're doing, they always talk about how everything's horrible? How everything's just falling apart in their life. And, and even if you try to come with them and encourage them with the word of God, their response is always the negative of that. Maybe that's you. It's been me in my seasons. That's because the struggle has become bigger than the Lord God in their life. Their circumstances have become their God's. Now, hear me out, church. I'm not saying we don't ever share our struggles with each other. We don't, we're not supposed to keep those in. If we do, we're being disobedient to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. There the Bible tells us we're to bear with with one another, share each other's burdens. Still, Christians, when we struggle, when our struggles overshadow our God in our lives, we have lost sight of who he truly gives us. So when those mornings come up, when we're waking up with anxiety and fear and depression, we should be first to seek God and find the confidence to face the day in him and not in ourselves. Again, this is only possible if we stay and stand in the presence of God. If we continue to worship him daily, if we grow in our relationship with him daily, to obey him daily, this has to be our life. Because when it is, we can end as David does in verses 5 and 6 where he says, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices of shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. We see David reiterates the confidence he gets from being in the presence of God. He is confident God will protect him and lift his head above his enemies. And that's another way of saying he will save me. But notice what he does here. He says he adds again that he will worship the Lord at the end. In other words, David will praise God for his deliverance. He will continue to worship God with shouts of joy. He will obey God in offering sacrifices. David's deliverance will give him even more reasons to praise the Lord. praise God for who He is and that He did what He said He would do. Church, when our confidence in God is affirmed by God in His deliverance again, that means we should drive us deeper into our worship of Him. That should give us even more reason to be obedient to God. It means we should dive deeper into His presence. That's what it looks like to maintain the presence of God, to be confident in the presence of God. It is worship. It is knowing God's character. It is obedience to God. Church, if we're pursuing God's presence, we will have confidence that stands out in this world. We will stand out in this world. A confidence that allows us to point to God as salvation from our sins, the very sins that bring about the hardships that we face. And when people desire the same confidence we can, we have, that we can point them to Jesus. Because it is Him that we find our confidence today, church. Romans 8 31 says this. When shall we say, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus as the one who died? More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us? That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else, in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the confidence we have as believers, as his children. This confidence that David Had is contagious because God has not changed. And we see him fully shown through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the word, made flesh. God in the flesh came and died on the cross for our sins so that we can be confident that we are God's children. And like David, we can be delivered and will be delivered and in his presence all the more. Jesus is our number one reason we can have confidence. I don't know about you, but even at this point here, I'm already amped up and I'm excited, right? I'm I'm, I'm feeling real confident because this is what God's word tells us, right? And I'm ready to move on. Let's see what else David says. Look at verse 7. He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Whoa. Do you see how the tone changed there? David goes from this powerful proclamation of confidence. In God to pleading and prayer to God. What is going on? Why do we see this sharp change? Well, some commentators say that this, this is actually two Psalms being put together. And while we can't be too sure of that, I think it's more than that going on. Remember that the Psalms express the full realm of emotional experience. And what we're about to see here in this text And what we're going to read in a moment is where David wasn't as confident as he was before. And he needed to pray to God for that confidence. This isn't a a whisper kind of prayer. This This is a prayer of lament. Lament is a strong pleading with the Lord. David is essentially on his knees, crying out to God, God, help me, please. I need you. Why is, but, and we can see that, but what is he praying for specifically? He's praying and is in desperate need of the presence of God. You see, nothing's changed. Look at what he says in verses 8 through 12. He says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I do seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who, came, have, who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a path because of my enemies. Give me not to the will of my adversaries, for the false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. There's something you have to notice here, church. David's situation hasn't changed. He's still got enemies. He's still surrounded. He's still under duress. But what has changed is how David was feeling in that moment. He wasn't feeling too confident. Or at least not as confident as he was before. He felt abandoned. In verse 9 and 10, David pleads with God not to forsake him or leave him, al- to leave him alone or abandon him. He felt as if God may have been angry with him and left him alone in the suffering, in his anger. This was a common belief back then. You can just read the book of Job. You see a lot of that in there. And we can believe this today, too. If we're suffering, we, we, can, we can lean into believing that God is angry with us for some reason. If we've got problems, then God has left us alone because we have, we've earned the struggle that we're in because of our sins or something like that. And when we start to think that way, we start to pull away from God, don't we? We start to shrink back from him. We start to shrink back from reading his word or being in church. We can start to question if God really loves us. We can start to try to figure out our way back to him and into God's good graces. But David doesn't step outside and try to figure out on his own what to do. He doesn't do that, no. We see David prays. He prays. And he prays for the presence of God. He prays for two specific things, though. He first prays for God himself. Not just the result of deliverance, but God himself. He seeks the Lord's face. He says that it's his heart's desire. The heart when used in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, is not referring to the, the actual heart, the beating heart. No, it's more, uh, it's more what we use nowadays to refer to the, it's not, it's not fleeting feelings either. He's talking about the, 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 the internal being of a person, the very soul. It actually means gut, right? So that gut feeling, that gut desire. He is saying that he desires God's presence with his entire being, with the very essence of who he is. The very fabric of David desires the Lord. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like verse 4. Because his desire hasn't changed. He still wants to see God. Behind every plea for God not to abandon him, David emphasizes God's care. He calls God his help. He calls God his his salvation. He even goes further and says that even his own parents abandoned him. But he wants to know that God still cares for him. Now, in those days, the parental relationship at the time was a very important and and deep relationship. It was where you could find the most care and help in this world. In fact, in those days, it was very common for a, a young man when he got married uh, not to go off and build his own house, but actually to build an extension onto his family's house so they can live and care for each other. That's how tight they were with their parents. Some of us like, I wish my kids were like that. Some of us like, we don't need kids like that. But, um, but ultimately, though, that's the, that's the deepest relationship. He wants to know that even if his parents abandoned him, even if his closest relationship abandoned him, he knows that God still cares for him. Church, when we are battling feelings of loneliness and maybe even feelings of being abandoned by God, we gain confidence in God through running to God, through running to him in prayer, to be in his presence and to be reminded of who he is. If we don't do that, how we feel will desi- and how we feel will, will become what we desire more than often. It will shift our desires away from God. Now, we, we do and, and have to wrestle with these feelings. They cannot be ignored, but they cannot be solely, solely carried out within ourselves. We have to be in the presence of God. And we need to seek him first. Because when we seek God first, it will shift how we pray and deal with trials. I think on most occasions when we wake up and have to deal with the war in life, we can pray things like, God, just help me get through the day. Okay, Lord, I, I just need a break from all of this. Lord, I know you're sovereign and all that, but this right here, thats too much. I think it's too much for you. Church, I'm not saying we don't ask for relief or rest from our battles. But before we even go, though, we need to be asking God to remind us of who he is. Because if we're only asking for God to, to give us relief and rest, we can come to believe that's only what God is good there for. That's the only thing he's good for in our life. God is still God no matter what we're going through. I hope this past two, three years have shown you that more often than not. God is still God no matter what we are going through. We remember that our confidence will be in him and not the end of the battle. Second thing David prays for here is that God will show him How to live. Verses 11 and 12, David prays that God will lead him on a level path. The phrase level path here refers to living a righteous life. He's asking God to lead him and not let his enemies' pursuit of him destroy his focus on living for the Lord. He prays for continual protection from the Lord as he lives for the Lord. What I love most about this this portion of scripture is David knows his confidence comes from not only seeing and remembering who God is, but also comes from him being obedient to God in the face of adversaries, in the face of lies. David goes to God who will show him how to live in truth. But that's hard for us to do, especially if you're a defensive person like I am. You ever had someone try to lie about you or... Try to cancel you and cancel culture. Put words in your mouth. Say that you did something that you didn't even come close to doing. What is your reaction? Is your reaction anger? Or maybe you're like me, you play out the scenario in the back of your head. It's like, I would say this to your face if I could. I would, I would say this to you. I would do this to you. But you never would. But you, you harbor that anger and that bitterness inside you. That's not what we see David do here, is it? Now we see him go to God and say, okay, Lord, I got people surrounding me. I got people lying about me. How do you want me to live? How do you want me to respond? Family, when we do that, we are exercising confidence in God who will vindicate and save us. When we seek to gain confidence in the Lord, we need to first seek the Lord's face. Seek to remember who he is and seek to live in obedience to him. This is what David does. And we see in verses 13 and 14 the outcome of this confidence. He says this, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. David now has confidence in the Lord. His, his confidence has been restored and Still surrounded by enemies, by the way, but his confidence has now been restored in the Lord, and he says that his confidence produces two outcomes. First, his confidence in God means he will see God's goodness in his life. He will see God's goodness in his life. He isn't crossing his fingers hoping that he will. He's anticipating God's goodness. He's excited about it. What I find really interesting is that he says that he will see God's goodness in the land of the living. In other words, he will experience God's goodness while he's still alive, and he's saying that in the midst of trials. Family, I don't, I don't think we can we do skim over this statement because I think there has become this a dangerous, unhealthy view of how bad life is in our lives—a view that minimizes God's power and says that He surely can't handle what we're going through. Now, now hear me! Hear me when I say this. I'm not saying that we downplay how difficult life is either. We need to only look back on these past few years, right? We've only seen people suffering. We've probably suffered. We've dealt with anxiety and depression. We've seen families fall apart. We have seen uh, people near their breaking point. We have seen the brokenness of this world, church. We don't need to downplay that. Because all that is real. Loneliness is real. Depression and anxiety is real. And I don't know what you've gone through or what you're currently going through. I don't know if you have people in your life that are battling depression or abandonment. But if there's one thing I do know is that if that is you or that's someone you know, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Talk to your pastor, Pastor Evan, and all the other leaders here. Talk to a counselor. Talk to your closest friend who loves Jesus, but more importantly, church, we got to talk to the Lord. We got to talk to God. Talk to him like David does here. Plead with him. Seek his presence every day. I'm a little bit of a tangent here. I think sometimes we try to make prayer this nice, elegant, beautiful thing where it's like covered in rose covered glasses, right? Sometimes prayer is just you falling on your face crying out to the Lord. Sometimes you need to pray through the tears and the snot, not looking pretty, because God isn't looking for a pretty prayer. He's looking for a real prayer. And we've got to get past this image that prayer is this nice, dainty thing. We are crying out to God when we're at our lowest, and he is at the highest of the high, and he's going to bring us out of that. And so our prayer life has got to reflect how we view God. David was not afraid to get on his knees as a king to pray to the Lord because he said, you are my Lord. How much more should we be willing to get on our knees before the king? We need to talk to the Lord. Even if it's just us talking to God, David felt abandoned by his friends and his family. But he sought the presence of God and pressed in and pressed on. God became his confidence. Friends, if you're feeling like you are carrying the same kind of weight that David was... Run to the Lord. We don't see any way out. Run to the Lord. Because he's already made a way out of the greatest trial we've ever had. Out of the greatest problem we ever had, our sin. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. If he can handle that, what we're dealing with right now, second outcome we see here is confidence in the Lord at least a patience David says in verse 14 that he will wait on the Lord David doesn't feel the need to take matters into his own hands and find a way out he is confident the Lord will deliver him so what do we take away from all this church how do we gain and maintain confidence in God we need to stand in his presence we need to stand in his presence. I think we do this on, in four daily practices. First, daily devotion. Be in the word of God every day. We lose confidence if we aren't. And in our day and age, everything going around us at one time, we, we can easily feel like I'm just so busy. I, 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 can't just, I can't devote an hour to reading the word of God. church. Five minutes is all you need to be assured of who God is. Be in the word of God. Set the time. I want to challenge you to build your life around the word of God. Make it your primary focus through your day. This is the thing we, I have to do. I have to wake up in the morning and my alarm goes off. The temptation is to go to my emails and start working or go to social media or whatever. My first response, I'm I'm, I'm literally building this around my life. I have to get up and do my Bible reading plan. Even if I don't get out of bed, pull it up on my phone. It's on my phone. It's easy access. But I challenge myself to be in the word of God every day. Not because it's something I have to do, but it's something I get to do. Because when I am in the word of God, I am assured of who God is and that I'm in his presence and I can be confident in my day. Build your life around the word of God. Second, worship daily. Worship daily. Worship is not just a Sunday morning thing, church. It is a lifestyle. So every day, remember to worship the Lord. I mean, it could be singing in the kitchen by yourself, jamming out to whatever your favorite worship music is. It could be journaling about God's goodness in your life. It could be taking a walk around the block and praising God for his creation. It could mean serving your neighbor or your family with a joyful heart. In all those ways, you are being worshipful to the Lord Jesus. So worship the Lord every day in some form or fashion. Third, live thankfully daily. Live thankfully daily. Thank God every day for his goodness. This is, I believe, one of the most difficult things we can struggle with. I struggle with this a lot, not because everything is terrible, but because I take for granted all the good things the Lord has done and continues to do. He gives me breath. He, he allowed me to wake up this morning. He allowed my car to start, even though it was kind of like a little iffy. I ain't going to lie to you. It was like, uh, OK, I'm good. I'm good. But he allowed my car to start. He allowed the, the components to work together. So it, did, it allowed me to get here safe and sound. We have to be thankful to God's goodness on the every day. And that will build confidence, that will maintain confidence in God's presence. And then fourthly, daily ask for God's presence. Daily ask for God's presence. Family, we must not seek to be in God's presence when things are at their worst, or when it's convenient. We need to be seeking God's presence every day. We ask God to reveal himself to us. Again, it goes back to the prayer and the reading of the word and being in community. This means that in our good days, we know God's presence is, we know God's presence and worship Him in great joy. And even on our hard days, we never feel alone in the battle because God is with us. So seek his presence every day. And if you're here today and you would not call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, I tell you right now, your confidence isn't something that will fade away. Your confidence isn't something that will leave you and forsake you, but God, if your confidence is in him, you're looking not only at goodness in this life, but goodness in eternity. And you know what? You don't have to get yourself together to know that. You need to look to Jesus. God's ultimate expression of love and good to us in this world He sent his son, Jesus Christ, down on the cross for the sins that caused so much tribulation and hardship in our lives. That made you his enemy. He wants you to know his goodness and his presence. You need only turn to him and ask for forgiveness of your sins. If you want to know what that means, what that looks like, you can come talk to me. Talk to one of the pastors and leaders here. I don't go here, but I love talking about Jesus. So come, come talk to me. I want to know and share the gospel with you. But church, today, if you're struggling with confidence, I challenge you, I encourage you, I implore you, seek the presence of God. Because when you're in his presence, nothing will shake you. And when you feel shaken, he will restore that confidence. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much that today another day to be reminded of your goodness, of your presence. And that we may have prayed it individually uh, before, Lord, uh, as a group in our prayer groups here, Lord. I'm going to pray this again, that this Holy Spirit, you would be upon us. Father God, be present with us. Remind us of who you are and what you have done for us in the past. Knowing full well that when we live in that presence, no matter what's going on in this world right now or will happen in the future. We are not shaken, we are not taken out of, out of joy for you. And if we're here today, Lord, and we are wrestling with confidence in you, being in your presence. Lord, we know that your love brings us back. So remind us of your love through Jesus Christ. Remind us that you have not left us as we are your children. And bring us to full confidence in you again. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.